0: Welcome back to Gardening Talkback. Scotty Sharp has things well in hand and good afternoon, Lynn from Adamstown. You've got a question for Scotty about staghorns and orchids. Yes, I do. Hi Lynn, how can we help you?
1: Um, my mother who was a wonderful green thumb, which I am not, passed away several years ago and she's got staghorns growing on a front yard and orchids growing up a fern in the backyard. I'm now having to move out of the family home in sixty two years and I'd like to Try and take
2: them with you without killing them. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to give them a fair chance. Yeah, well, that's that's a good idea. Uh, and, and look, you can give them a fair chance there. Both of them are, you know, stags are fairly readily, uh, you know, movable. Uh, usually, what you have to do though is, uh, have you got them on boards or on old logs at the moment? No,
1: they're actually the stag cons are actually just stuck straight onto the tree, and I don't know how she's done it. And, Someone said to me, oh, you just cut a hole in the tree. And I went, I'm not going to do that. No, no, <laughs> I believe them.
2: You, you can actually peel them off if you want to. You have to be very, very careful about it. Uh, look, the stag they're native to Australia and sort of other subtropical areas, uh, you know, like South America, uh, New Guinea and places. And they're epiphylites. They uh, use their root system or their structure to actually just cling on to the, to the branches of trees. They don't actually, uh, you know, use their root system to absorb, you know, too much moisture or anything. So they're really just to hang on to the trees. And then, uh, you know, when the water falls onto the leaves, and that's when it, what absorbs in the water.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you can actually, pardon me, uh, move them quite readily. Uh, but when you do that, you have to make sure that you've got another board or something to put them back. I onto. was going to say, yeah. can
1: I put them onto a board? Because I've got a, an old ironing board, and I thought, I wonder if you put dirt on it or if you <laughs> put wire on it or what you do to
2: make them. No, you don't have to put uh, you know uh, wire uh, like you don't have to put dirt on there. You just actually wire them back onto there. You can just pierce the wire through there and just sort of wind it around, and then just put it onto the board. you know, in the old days, people would get uh, you know some old fence palings and put them together. And, mm. uh, you know, they actually connect it back on there. But you just need the wire to hold it on there until such time that the uh, the plant actually, its root system actually just starts to cling back onto yep. that board for you. Yep. And then it doesn't really matter.
1: Okay. okay. And, and the orchids are climbing up a fern.
2: Yes, it And was, what's the I, I know it?
1: I've pulled some off and given them to someone. Yeah. And she's had no problem growing them. And she's like me, a bit of a brown sun rather than a grandson.
2: So it sounds like a native rock orchid that you've got. And, and again, you know, the root system on those really is only for the clinging on. So as, as you, if you carefully peel them off, it's not going to do a tremendous amount of damage to the plant. Uh, so mm. you feel, feel confident in doing that as well. And again, once you have moved them, just make sure you water them. Uh, you know, if they are a little bit stressed, uh, try and get them into a situation, you know, quite similar to, to where they've been before. And uh, you shouldn't have any problem with them at all. Same with the stags as well. Try keep. I was keep going them- to
1: say, would they be okay with with the on the same, same kind of board. It's a fairly big board.
2: Uh, look, if you've got something, yeah, that shouldn't, you know, they'll just wind in amongst each other. And, uh, yeah, I think you won't have any problems with them.
1: And do I feed the orchids? orchids? I mean, I don't, I've never touched them since, since I've lived in the house again. Yeah, look, you have to be right. ca-
2: you have to be careful with uh, you know native, uh, especially native orchids and staghorns. They can be quite touchy when it comes to fertilising. So you really don't fertilise them too much. The only thing you would do is uh, you know maybe a little bit of blood and bone. You could even sort of try and dilute some blood and bone in some water, and you could water them over um, there. Or the other thing with staghorns, the old trick used to be uh, some old banana peel, and stick them in there, oh, and yeah. that'd do the trick. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank okay, But c-
2: certainly no, you know, liquid fertiliser uh, or, you know, other sort well, of pellets I was thinking or I've never like put that.
1: any on in the five years I've lived here since
2: she passed away, and I thought, well, you know, they're thriving. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so um, just a, a nice gentle fertiliser will do the trick for you.
0: Thank you very much. Some helpful advice there for you, Lynn. And good afternoon to Carol at Wall's End. You've got uh, an issue with some roses this afternoon for Scotty to deal with.
1: Yes, I have,
2: yes. Hey, Carol, uh, how can we help you with them?
1: Well... Um, we've been given some roses that are well-established and I wasn't sure whether they haven't been cut back and I wasn't sure whether to cut them back and replant them or just leave them as they are. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So are those ones uh, roses that are in pots or they've actually been dug out of the ground?
1: They've been dug
2: out of the ground. Yeah, okay. So, look, it is actually important to give those a cut back at this time. Cut uh, back. Yeah, because yep. even okay. being dug out of the ground, it would have distressed stressed them out a little bit. It would have disturbed the root system just a touch. So yes. what you're doing is reducing that stress. You're reducing the amount of plant that the root system has to support. So yes. definitely give them a cut back. Uh, roses could be pruned back very hard, you know, regardless. Yes. But certainly yes. at this time, I think it's a good idea to do it. And then just make oh, sure... Good that you're getting uh, giving them plenty of water, no yes. fertiliser at this time, uh, mm-hmm. you, you probably wouldn't fertilise for about three months' time uh, when you're putting a new rose back in the ground.
1: Right. Oh, thank you very much for that. Okay, thank you, Carol. Okay, bye. Have a great
0: afternoon. Bye-bye. Some bye. great advice there for you, Carol. And uh, how do you go with peach trees, Scotty? How do you go with those? Well don't see them down here too much, but we'll give it a crack. Well, Jen from Macquarie Hills, you've got a question about peach trees. You're on the air with Scotty.
2: Thank you. How can we help you, Jen? Um, Scott...
1: I've got a, my son's got a vertical peach tree.
0: Yes.
1: And it gets, uh, well, it didn't seem to have it in the winter parts, but now that the spring's sort of here, it's, it's, we had it last year, but it sort of went away. And, but it's like a white, sticky goo that comes up, and then it goes black, and the things die, the new shoots die on the end of it.
2: Ah, oh, okay. Uh, look, I think that's a fungal disease that peaches get. Uh, so you need to use a fungicide like copper oxychloride or mancazep plus. That should get do the trick for you.
1: Oh, uh, he used a uh, confidor but that's not strong enough, is it?
2: Well, no, that that's complete. That's an insecticide, so it's probably not going to have an effect on that. Uh, it, it won't have an effect. You actually yeah, do need to use a fungicide on that.
1: Uh, any sort?
2: Uh, yeah, copper oxychloride or mancazep plus will do the trick.
1: Copper, I'll have yeah, to write yeah, it
2: down, one, otherwise I'll yeah. forget. Just copper? A, a copper spray. If you go to a garden centre and say, look, I need a fungicide for my peach tree, they should be able to help you out with that.
1: Oh, righty-o then. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, good
0: luck Thank with Jen. Thank you. Thank you, bye. Thank you very much, Jen. It's Scotty, we're getting all sorts this afternoon, aren't we? Oh, Roses, yep. peaches?
2: We like an, an eclectic variety, don't we? We certainly Christians, are. Yes. We certainly are. Hello,
0: yeah. Kath from Adamstown. You've got a question uh, all about the crepe myrtle this afternoon.
1: Um, hello. Yeah. Um. That was very fast. I wasn't expecting to be next.
2: Uh, <laughs> course, we're very, very efficient around here, Kat. Yeah, I know you've that. The, I know that the now. That's for, that's for
1: sure. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I had some guys here um, on uh, last week, and they chopped down some pine trees for me. And a branch of the pine tree has fallen on top of my little crepe myrtle, which is it's only young. Yep. It looks like it split the base. Um, and I did actually speak to Judy through the week about it, and she offered me something to put on it and bandage it, and I can't remember what the something was. I have bandaged the bottom of it, but I don't know whether... I can't remember what she said.
2: Uh, I, oh, look, oh, look, Jude says stuff sometimes, and I don't know whether to believe it or not, <laughs> I think this time she might be actually telling the truth. Uh, she's lucid at the moment, so that's re- that's really good. Look- I tell you what, Kath, great family they've got, aren't they? The Sharp. Wow,
1: I tell you what, when he gets home, he's in trouble.
2: They-, they turn on each other quick, smart. You should, you should be. Yeah, for they Christmas.
1: do, they do. She's recording this, you know.
2: Look, the product that she's been talking about is Steri Prune and it's a it's sort of a wound dressing. It's this tar-based paint that you can get. Oh, okay. to, yeah, it's either you can get it as a pressure pack, or you can get it in a little tin. You just get an old paintbrush and paint it on, and what does is it seals up the wound of the plant so no insects or boards or anything can get in there
1: yep okay all right now what was the name of that again yep
2: a uh, sterry prune
1: very prune, Sterry okay, prune, yeah. sounds great, all right, and leave your mother alone, please. Oh,
2: <laughs> no, 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 she, she, can, she can handle it, she's old enough now to handle that sort of
0: stuff. Like I said, the way you guys treat each other, what chance do the rest of us have? You, you turn on your family just
2: like that, oh, Scotty? look, I'm nice to you, Mark.
0: Yeah, I know, it's only early days yet, We're only about 20 minutes into this. Good afternoon, Leanne from Charlestown. You've got an onion weed question for Scotty.
2: Sharon. Oh,
1: it's driving me mad, and I know that the answer is nothing, but please tell me, Scott, is there something I can do? I've got it in the grass and I've got it in garden
2: beds. Well, look, I'm not going to say nothing to you because there is something you can do, uh, mm. not not in the grass. That's a really difficult one uh, because mm. you have to use glyphosate. You have to use Roundup uh, you mm. know, to get rid of it. So, and whatever you touch with glyphosate, it kills. Uh, so you have to be very careful about that. So the grass is almost, uh, you know, out of bounds. Generally, when you mow the grass, you sort of mow, mow it out. It doesn't kill it, but it just hides it away and you don't notice it. And I think what's probably happened at the moment, and people usually notice it in winter because the grass stops and the onion, onion wheat keeps on growing. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's happened at the moment. There's no, you know, we haven't had any rain. The grass has virtually stopped growing. It's just like, uh, you know, like tinder underneath your, you know, your feet at the moment. But the onion weed has kept on growing, and that's why you're noticing it. So uh, when you mow it out, you just don't notice it anymore. But in the garden, yes, you can successfully spot spray around. You have to be very careful about the way you do that. If Mm. if you've got roses, don't spray around them with uh, glyphosate at all because it will uh, deform the roses. Mm -hmm. Uh, But generally, yes, you can, if you're very clever, just spray Onion so weed basically,
1: and... nothing's changed. <laughs> it's there's... just about doing my head in. It's a wonder I'm not dreaming about them.
2: Yeah, look, there's no magic bullet. Uh, you know, there's no. th- you know, you can't drive a stake through the heart of onion weed, unfortunately. Uh, it, mm. it will just keep on rearing up and uh, you know, figuratively going for your neck, sort of thing. But uh, you have to be persistent with it. Don't try and dig it out uh, because it's very, very uh, difficult to get rid of digging out. And I would say, I think on uh, on our Facebook. I think I've actually got a little video where I found I successfully and accidentally dug out some onion weed one time yep. and it had all the little bulblets around the main bulb and as soon as you touch them they just sort of fall away so if you yep. are trying to pull it out of the ground all you're doing is pulling out that main bulb and all the little bulblets just stay in the soil and multiply so well that's what i've been doing so, yep, so that's, i've that's, that's, got
1: myself to blame haven't i oh, so look,
2: that's we're going to have to give you a smack on the hand for that one i <laughs> thought i
1: was going to be smarter than the onion weed because i've got so much of it and it was really you know but anyway i'll keep I'll try and poison the devil and yeah. see what happens. So, yeah, look,
2: pull, pulling it out or digging it out, that's just an absolute no-no. Jump on our Facebook site if you want and have a squeeze at me yes. um, showing you. Oh, you can see me in flesh. You know, I'm actually, it's, it was about three years ago I did it, so I look much better than I do now. <laughs> uh, but you'll just see how, how easily it sort of sloughs away. Uh, So, yeah, look, just persist with the spraying. Uh, Once it yellows off, it'll come back again, but just keep on persisting, and eventually you will get rid of it. I'll
0: tell you what, Leanne, by the sound of things, you're going to have to be sitting down to watch this video, the way Scotty described himself. uh... Yeah, I don't want to get too excited. (laughs) He's a bit of a lady killer, is our Scotty Sharp. Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Anne from Toronto, you have a question about lavender. Yep. How can we
2: help you, Anne? Um, I had um, really
1: beautiful lavender, and uh, then it died off. And I thought, well, I'd scrap it. But then in September, it really came absolutely beautiful, all mauve and really lovely and big. But now the bees have stopped going into us, and uh, the flowers have all sort of gone wishy-washy, sort of pinky and white. Is it time to cut it back, and how
2: far do I cut it? Yes, it is time to give it a nice, light prune back. You never go too hard with lavender. Uh, for instance, you don't go back into the woody stems because you'll you know, almost surely kill it if you do that. So it's really just a light shave over the top into that uh, you know, like sort of green stuff that's on there. Uh, never, never too hard with lavender. And uh, you'll probably get a second flush with it as well, so you'll get some more bees coming back oh, and uh, buzzing around here. So i
1: more or less just take off the flowers that are dyed and the bit.
2: Yes, just a little bit more than that, and that's really enough for you.
1: Thanks. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, not a problem.
2: Some great advice
0: there. We've learned lots today, Scott, and, and of course the program's not over. There's still a bit of learning to come. Look, even even I've learned a lot here today. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned it for myself. Yeah, but that's, that's the main thing. Now look, one of the things we were going to try and talk about today were roses, and what are you going to bring to the table on
2: this? Scotty? Well, it, it came to me last night as it started to rain, and as lovely as it was over the last few days, that uh, now's probably the time that uh, your roses are going to start getting some black spot, because uh, you know, it's been very, very dry. The humidity's been quite low until now. But once we start introducing, uh, you know, all that uh, moisture into the atmosphere uh, and we start getting hotter and hotter, uh, the uh, black spot is going to start to get a little bit more prevalent. So, black spots are a fungal disease that roses get. I can see you looking at me there very, very quizzically, Mark.
0: I'm, I'm learning. You're, it's called learning. learning
2: Scott. And uh, it, what it, it doesn't actually kill the rose, although if it got very, very bad, it could. But generally around Newcastle, it doesn't. Uh, but it's certainly, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, makes the rose look very poor because it yellows off the leaves. You get black spots all over there. The leaves then fall off. So it just sort of bare. It makes the rose look very, very bare. Uh, The great news is though, you can do something about it. uh, And now is the time to do it uh, because it's starting, you know, that moisture in the air, you know, even the the rain uh, hitting the ground and actually bounces the fungal spores back up into the rose. Uh, That can happen as well. That's where the fungal spores come from, the ground. Mark's looking at me very quizzically yeah. again now. It's called now, learning, Scott. <laughs> now, the product you need to use is uh, copper oxychloride, or you can use Mancozid Plus. They're both fungicides. Didn't we talk about that this earlier? Yes, yeah, so it's a general-purpose fungicide you can use. You can also use trifarin as well. And I think the best thing to do when you're using a fungicide, especially on your roses, is to keep on rotating them around. So get a couple of different ones, and one week use one, and the next week uh, use another. And it, it really does help because the fungal spores can get a little bit immune to... Uh, you know certain ones. The, the reason I like using uh, copper oxychloride, though, is because it, it sort of leaves a bluish tinge, a bluish coating of copper over the leaves, and that forms a little bit of a barrier uh, for uh, any uh, fungal spores that are bouncing up or you know getting moved around by the rain. So. That can then eventually wash off, but if you're doing it every week, that uh, you know, provides a fairly good uh, preventative for uh, black spot on your roses. It's only going to get worse as the humidity builds up.
0: So is it more a time of year thing, or is it the rain that actually spreads it more? Because you mentioned before that it'll bounce up in the raindrops, and that's what spreads it around. Is it more a rain thing or more
2: a time of year thing? It's more of a time of year thing. Once the humidity is there, you get all those ingredients sort of mixed up to make the perfect chocolate cake and uh that will uh you know once you get that high humidity you get uh, moisture and uh fungal spores bouncing around that's when you start to get uh uh, the black spot. So as you get into, uh, you know, February, March, it can get very, very bad then. And you've got uh, some good ideas for baskets as well. Yes, for hanging baskets. Uh, it's like you can read my mind, Mark, and that's fantastic.
0: Well, I was paying attention to I'm a good listener, that's, Scotty. That's I know like, what's going
2: on. It's almost like the Matrix here. But, uh, yeah, for hanging baskets, I've been looking around. You know, it has been hot, it has been dry, and uh, petunias are fantastic for hanging baskets. And uh, now's the time to plant them so you get them uh, nice and flowering, ready for Christmas. You don't even, even if you've got a nice modern house, you know, a nice couple of hanging baskets of uh, petunias out the front will look at make it look very very nice. Uh, you can choose your colours. Uh, you know, petunias come in so many different colours. You can use the uh, spreading one if you want to, and it will trail down quite a lot. But even normal petunias, uh, you know, will do very well as a hanging plant with plenty of flower on there. Uh, they can dry out as well. So uh, you know, because that you know that pots up a little bit high, you might not be as diligent as you would normally be. Uh, you know, it's a plant on the ground. Uh, so, uh, yeah, petunias. Uh, Lobelia are also very good for hanging baskets. So you get plenty of colour from Lobelia and you can give them a prune back if they get a little bit uh, straggly.
0: So for the plants that, are, that we're going to put in the baskets, are they more a uh, uh, don't need a lot of TLC or is this something you should be a lot more careful with.
2: No, you, you ask more questions than Greg does. And well, we got two minutes to fill, Scott. Oh, so. I, I didn't know it was that. I just thought you were just being generally more inquisitive and, and nice to me about things. Well, well, I want to make a good impression. Uh, okay, uh, you want me back. We do. Yes. So, a lot of care required for the basket, for hanging basket well, type plants? If you try and choose plants that uh, don't require so much care, because they uh, can be, you know, like they said, they're out of sight, out of mind, and, uh, you know, you have them up a little bit higher, so it's, it's more difficult to get to them, to fertilise them, to water them, uh, you know, treat any pest and disease that's up there. So you do want plants that are a little bit more resilient. People will often, uh, uh, you know, choose succulents as well, uh, like a burrow's tail, donkey's tail, some people call it. Uh, it's a, a sort of sedum that will actually get quite long and trail down out of the basket. And they're very, very easy to look after. So, uh, yeah, look, succulents are excellent to look after uh, in hanging baskets. And, and again, just something nice to have inside, isn't it? Just a bit of, a bit of flower, a bit of colour? Yeah, well, look, most people will have them on the veranda. I think. Well, that's, yeah. you know what I meant. Yeah, yeah, I want to try and catch you up there as well. And, and, and the reason, there's a very nice house in Carrington, actually, and there's a lot of nice houses in Carrington, I'll just add. Here but, he is, the Mayor of Carrington. The Mayor of again. Carrington. It's but not... I, there was a very nice house I was walking past this morning uh, that had some fantastic hanging baskets, and it just sort of sprung to mind how good they can actually look at this time of year. And uh, petunias, uh, any bedding plants, you need about that eight to nine-week time frame to get them ready for Christmas. So if you're going to do it, uh, sort of get in and do it very soon. And why not? That pretty
0: much brings us to an end, Scotty. So thank you for sticking around for Gardening Talkback this week. Okay, 10 out of 10 today, Mark. <laughs> we'll catch you uh,
2: uh, next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2 com.